What a nice group we have out tonight. Thank you for coming. We're studying the doctrine of biblical separation in the grace age, and uh, tonight we're going to be tracking through a lot of different passages of Scripture, and I know I'm going to have to go slow. They want me to go Before we get into this, let's pray. We obviously need it. Father, thank you tonight for this doctrine that we have the privilege of studying, and thank you for your people who are here tonight. We pray your blessing on this evening and on this doctrine. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the thing that we're going to do tonight, or begin to do, is to track through and establish the fact that we have a biblical uh, mandate for separation, because if you interpret the Bible literally, or you take it seriously, you'll easily see that this idea of separating from something is certainly a biblical idea that is found in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it also is a concept that transcends law and grace. Now, the way that you apply it perhaps is a little differently between law and grace, between Israel and the church, but the principle is certainly there that separation is biblical. Clearly, God is a God of separation. So what we want to do uh, tonight is to uh, take about 30 uh, Old Testament references. We're going to break this down into two categories. We're going to say biblical separation in the Old Testament, and then we're going to track it through the Old Testament, then we're going to go to the New Testament and track it through uh, some references there. So uh, the first reference that I want you to turn to is Genesis 12.1. That would be Genesis 12.1. All right. Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. This is the beginning of the nation Israel, and the first idea is you need to break, make a clean break from your country. You need to make a clean break of separation. Abraham, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to leave your country and go to a land that I'm going to show you. So it begins, the nation begins, really, with a doctrine of separation. Now the second reference is Genesis 13, 9 and 11. Genesis 13, 9 and 11. Now, this is the separation of Abraham and Lot. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right, or if to the right, then I will go to the left. Verse 11, so Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham and Lot separated due to size and also due to strife. And when we went through the book of Genesis, we saw this was much more than just some little uh, simple separation. There was a lot involved in theology here. What I want you to see is the point of separation was obviously a biblical point. Thirdly, let's go to Genesis chapter 30 and verse 40. Genesis chapter 30 and verse 40. And we read in Genesis chapter 30 and verse 40, And Jacob separated the lambs, and made the flocks face toward the striped, and all the black in the flock of Laban, and he put his own herds apart, and did not put them with Laban's flock. So here you have a separation of herds, which God had blessed from Laban's herd. So what I'm trying to show is even in the early days of the development of the nation Israel, this doctrine of you separate something from something else was clearly something that you see in the scriptures. Now let's go to Leviticus 15, 31. Leviticus 15, 31. In Leviticus 15 and verse 31, 
Thus you shall keep the sons of Israel separated from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by their defiling my tabernacle that is among them. Now there was to be a temporal separation from something that was unclean. It was to be a separation that was both literal and physical, and the reason for it was so that the tabernacle of God would not be defiled. There was to be a separation made if worship was to take place. Now that principle will become a principle that we're going to see as we go through some of the New Testament Grace Age passages. Now let's go next to Leviticus 20.24. 20, Leviticus 20.24. 20, and here you get a statement that God makes about his own people. In Leviticus 20, 24, hence I've said to you, you are to possess their land, and I myself will give it to you to possess it, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. So the very uh, beginning of the nation Israel was a beginning separation where God separated them from other people. So again, what I'm trying to lay as a groundwork here is that this principle of separation is something that's clearly seen in the scriptures. Let's go to Leviticus 20, verses 25 and 26. Leviticus 20, 25 to 26. You are therefore to make a distinction between the clean animal and the unclean, between the unclean bird and the clean, and you shall not make yourselves detestable by animal or by bird or by anything that creeps on the ground, which I have separated for you as unclean. Thus you are to be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy, and I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. Now, one of the reasons, and this is a principle that... Um, will transcend law and grace. One of the reasons for any type of legitimate biblical separation is so that God could classify us as holy. God can classify us as holy and then use us and bless us. That really becomes the background of any type of biblical uh, separation. Now the seventh reference is Leviticus 22, 2 and 3. Leviticus 22, 2 and 3. We read in Leviticus 22, 2, Tell Aaron and his sons to be careful with the holy gifts of the sons of Israel, which they dedicate to me, so as not to profane my holy name, I am the Lord. Say to them, if any man among your descendants throughout your generations approaches the holy gifts, which the sons of Israel dedicate to the Lord, while he has an uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from before me, I am the Lord. Now God is warning priests here, and also look down to verse 7, but when the uh, sun sets... Uh, he shall be clean, and afterward he shall eat of the holy gifts, for it is food. Now, God is warning priests, don't you ever attempt to minister if you're unclean. Don't you try to go in there in any way and minister for me if you're unclean. You need to be clean when you go in and minister for me. You need to separate yourself from anything that would be unclean. And if you aren't clean, don't you dare go in there and try to minister for me because I'll hold you highly accountable. Now that principle, I think, we're going to be able to make a great application uh, in the New Testament grace age, although we may be able to identify some other things as perhaps as being clean versus unclean. The truth is the principle prevails. God wants clean people ministering for him. He doesn't want dirty people that have lives filled with sin trying to minister for him. Uh, that is just never going to be uh, blessed of God. Now the eighth reference is Numbers 6, and we're going to have four verses from Numbers chapter 6. The verses are 2, 3, 5, 6. Numbers 6, verses 2, 3, 5, and 6. Here's what we read. Numbers 6, 
verses 2, 3, 5, 6. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When a man or woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to dedicate himself to the Lord, he shall abstain from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar, neither ma whether made from wine or strong drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice or eat fresh or dried grapes. Verse 5, All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall pass over his head. He shall be holy until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall let the locks of his hair and his head grow long all the days of his separation to the Lord. He shall not go near to a dead person. Now there were certain things from which one could temporarily separate himself in order for a specific type of special ministry. Uh, and, and there were certain things that they needed to separate themselves from in the Old Testament economy. Now, this has really no bearing on the grace age, and we're going to see that when we get into grace age truth, but there is a principle here, and the principle is, uh, if we're going to serve the Lord, uh, we need to be willing to separate ourselves from anything that could hinder that service, because we want to be used of the Lord in the context of the serving of the Lord. So that's a critical principle. The ninth text is Numbers 8.14. Numbers chapter 8 and verse 14. We read, Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the sons of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. Now, God separates certain people to minister for him. He did right here, and he does in the New Testament. This principle we will see in the New Testament. God calls certain people. He gives them ministry. He gives them certain gifts and abilities that enables them to minister. That's just the way it is. It's God's calling. It's God's business. And what you see right here is he did it back in the Old Testament economy. We'll see that he also does the same kind of thing in the New Testament economy as well. The tenth reference is Numbers 16.9. Numbers 16.9. Now this is interesting. Numbers 16.9. Is it not enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before him, uh, before the congregation, to minister uh, to them? God separates certain people, and he gives them the ability to perform certain kinds of ministries, and they ought to be thankful for it. Instead of wanting another ministry, they ought to be thankful for what they can do and thankful for what God has given them the abilities to do. Uh, that was exactly the problem with Korah. Korah was not happy and content with the ministry that God had given to him, and so he gets into rebellion against God. But this is telling us that certain people uh, are called by God, given certain ministries, and they ought to be thankful to do those ministries. Now, the 11th text is Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 8. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to serve him, and to bless in his name until this day. Now, this is God among his people separating certain people and giving them sacred responsibilities. Uh, the whole nation Israel was, of course, the nation of God. What you see here is within that context of the nation, God separated certain people from the rest, and he entrusted them with special ministries. The same will be true when we get into New Testament truth. Now, the 12th text is Deuteronomy 19, verse 2 and verse 7. Deuteronomy 19, verse 2 and verse 7. 
You shall set aside three cities for yourself in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God gives you to possess. Verse 7, Therefore I command you, saying, You shall set aside three cities for yourself. These were three cities that were to be separated as cities of refuge, where someone could flee if they had done things that, uh, if they made it to the city, they were actually immune uh, from the type of judgments that could come against them if they didn't go to those cities. The thing that I want you to see that keeps coming out here is, boy, God is a God, and separation is a part of a, a relationship with God. You cannot help but see that when you start with Genesis 12, when he calls Abraham to separate himself from his own country. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 29, verses 19 to 21. Deuteronomy 29, 19 to 21. We read these words, And it shall come, and it shall be, when he hears the words of this curse, that he will boast, saying, I have peace, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart, in order to destroy the watered land with the dry. The Lord shall never be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will burn against that man, and every curse which is written in this book will rest on him, and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. Then the Lord will single him out for adversity from all the tribes of Israel, according to all the curses of the covenant which are written in the book of the law. If a person were to continue to walk in stubborn rebellion against God while claiming that he was at peace with God, when in fact he knew he wasn't at peace with God, God said, I will separate that one and I will not give him a land. I'll blot out his name from getting a land grant. He's not going to give an Israeli land grant that he should have had when I have my nation in the land. And, and this Jewish land uh, inheritance would be just one of the negative things that God would do. God said, I also will see to it that a lot of negative things happen to this individual who is pretending to be right with me, who isn't really right with me. That's the, really the cause of this or the crux of this. So what he's basically saying here is you need to be willing to separate yourself from things that would uh, bring about my negative judgment. And you need to be willing to stay away from those things and not telling uh, me that you're at peace with me when you're not. That was the point. Now the 14th passage is Deuteronomy 32 and verse 8. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 8. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. God has separated Israel from all other people, and God has separated their land boundaries from all other people. And of course, that's the land boundaries in the Middle East. So what we're learning here is that the idea of God and separation are clearly biblical. They clearly are an important doctrine, important to having a relationship with God. The 15th text is 1 Kings 8, 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 52 to 53. In 1 Kings chapter 8, 52 to 53, we read... Uh, these words, that thine eyes may be open to the supplication of thy servant and to the supplication of thy people Israel to listen to them whenever they call to thee. For thou hast separated them from all the peoples of the earth as thine inheritance, as thou didst speak through Moses thy servant when thou didst bring our fathers forth from Egypt, O Lord God. Now again, 
God has separated Israel from all peoples of the earth. They are the apple of his eye. He has made that determination. He has made that separation. Jewish people are gods. They belong to the Lord. That land belongs to him. The land belongs to them. And that's the way it is. Why? Because God made a determination. The Lord God made a determination that Israel is separated from all other nations. And wise is the church that realizes that reality and honors that reality. Now the 16th reference is 1 Chronicles 12.8. This is an interesting text, 1 Chronicles 12.8. From the Gadites there came over to David in the stronghold in the wilderness mighty men of valor, men trained for war, who could handle shield and spear, and whose faces were like faces of lions, and they were as swift as gazelles on the mountains. There were some non-Israelis who actually separated themselves to David and fought with him. And God honors them. He honors them in Scripture right here. They fought with David. They fought for David. And, uh, and God, uh, uh, they separated themselves to uh, link in uh, with David. So again, uh, in order for the Gadites to get this acclaim, they had to be willing to make a break and separate themselves and go hook in with David. Now let's go to 1 Chronicles 25.1. 1 Chronicles 25.1. We read in 1 Chronicles 25, 1, Moreover, David and the commanders of the army set apart for the service some of the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jeduthun, who were to prophesy with lyres, harps, and cymbals, and the number of those who performed their service was, and then he, then he lists the numbers, um, uh, these were, uh, notice verse 7, and their number who were trained in singing to the Lord with their relatives, all who were skillful, was 288. Now David separated certain people for the Lord's ministry, and this is talking about the ministry of music that was being used in the worship services of uh, Israel's economy, and notice that he, that he singled out skillful people. I mean, uh, he separated you know, I don't know if he had tryouts. Uh, there were people came and said, well, I'd like to sing. And he said, all right, let's hear you. I mean, uh, I don't know what they did. But obviously, something was done where they separated those that were skillful from those that were, were not skillful. See, I, I think that principle is lost a lot um, in, in today's uh, church because uh, sometimes people that love the Lord never get the opportunity to, to serve where they really fit, and they're trying to fit where they really don't fit. Uh, and, uh, and, and this is one of the big areas where this can happen uh, in the area of, of music. It's a wonderful thing if a person is gifted in this area and has skill in this area to be able to use it for the Lord. But there's nothing more horrific than if somebody is up there singing who doesn't have the skill and everybody in the congregation is going, man, I just hope they make it. I mean, or, or uh, we just hope they, this thing, you know, and you're embarrassed. Well, that isn't honoring to the Lord. That's not raising the level of worship. What you have is a mismatch of gifts. You could have a person who truly loves the Lord, but they just don't have the ability to be a soulless. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing uh, wrong about saying, look, that's not the place you need to be separated for ministry. You're not separated to be a soloist. You need to function over here, or here's an opportunity for you, but, you, but you're out of sink when you're over here and trying this thing. That's what David did. They made separation decisions in regard to ministry, in regard to music. Now let's go to uh, another text, 2 Chronicles 25. 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 10. Then Amaziah, 
2 Chronicles 25, verse 10, Then Amaziah dismissed them, the troops which came to him from Ephraim, to go home. So their anger burned against Judah, and they returned home in fierce anger. Amaziah uh, separated Israel from Judah because God would not give victory if the two stayed together and if the two fought together. Notice verse 7. But a man of God came to him, saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, nor with any of the sons of Ephraim. But if you do go, do it, be strong for battle, yet God will bring you down before the enemy, for God has power to help and bring you down. But Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? And the man of God said, The Lord has much more to give to you than this. Then Amaziah dismissed them. Now Amaziah had paid Israel to come and go to war with him, and God goes, I don't need them. And we don't need them with us, so you need to tell them to go home. In other words, you separate uh, yourselves from them right now and go on with the battle yourself. And so Israel here is not one big happy family, even though this is all the people of God. You have God basically saying, I'm not going to bless you if you take Israel with you. Judah, you need to go get this job done. And I'll bless you if you do. So that's what you have happening here. God was with one group, not with the other group. What is that? Separation. He had separated in his mind Israel from Judah. He had separated this specific battle in his mind. If this group goes with you, you lose. If this group doesn't go with you, you win. That is the doctrine of separation. Now let's go to Ezra 6.21. Ezra 6.21. Notice verse 21, And the sons of Israel who returned from exile and all those who had separated themselves from the impurity of the nations of the land to join them to seek the Lord God of Israel ate the Passover. I want to read also verse 22, And they observed the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had caused them to rejoice and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to encourage them in the work of the house of God, the, the God of Israel. Uh, the children of Israel who had separated themselves from impurities that were plaguing the nations were restored to wonderful fellowship with God. God did good things for people who separated themselves according to his word. God did good things for people who made a break from unclean things. He'll always do that, whether that's Old Testament or New Testament. If you make a decision to separate yourself from something that isn't good, I guarantee you, you put yourself in another level where God can bless you and will bless you in many wonderful ways. If you make that decision to do that. Uh, and, and that's exactly what's being described here. Some made a decision to do it. They got the blessings of God. Let's go to Ezra 8.24. Ezra 8.24. We read, Then I set apart twelve of the leading priests, uh, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and with them ten of their, of their brothers. Um, twelve specific priests were separated to care for the treasury. Ezra was involved in the process, and they were to care for the treasury, and they were to considered holy people that were involved in basically counting the offering and taking care of the offering. They were separated to do that job. That was their ministry. And they did it, and God considered it to be a very important and sacred ministry. Let's go to Ezra 9.1. Ezra 9.1. Now when these things had been completed, the princes approached me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands according to their abominations, those of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. God's people had failed to separate themselves 
from the people in the land. And then, notice verse uh, 4, Then everyone trembled at the words of God of Israel on account of the unfaithfulness of the exiles gathered to me. I sat appalled. Uh, Ezra was appalled by the fact that these uh, uh, Israelites had actually married these foreign idolatrous uh, women. And that's what they had done. And they had refused to separate themselves from those nations. And as a result of that, God said, this is a detestable thing because you have not separated yourself uh, from this. And then I want you to go to Ezra 10.8. Ezra 10.8. We read, And that whoever would not come within three days, according to the counsel of the leaders and elders, all his possessions should be forfeited and he himself excluded from the assembly of exiles. There was a, a proclamation that, in verse 7, that uh, made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the exiles that they ought to go to Jerusalem, they ought to be in Jerusalem within three days and worship God. And if they weren't, they were going to be cut off. In other words, you are to separate yourself and worship. You're to go to the place where there is sacred worship. And if you don't go there, there will be some serious ramifications. Then I want you to go to Ezra 10.11. Ezra 10.11. We read, Now therefore make confession to the Lord God of your fathers and do his will and separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. Israel was to separate herself from the people of Gentiles and from their foreign wives. Uh, literally, they were to get out of these uh, ungodly relationships. And as a result of that, God would promise to bless them. And, uh, and, and, and the point I want you to see again here is obviously these are real people living personal lives. And these are choices of separation that they must make. Biblical choices of separation. We're not talking a gray area issue. These are biblical mandates that are given to the nation Israel. And the reason why I'm laying this groundwork for us is because when we see then in the grace age teachings, biblical ground rules given to us in the church age, we want to take them just as seriously as they were taking them in the Old Testament economy because there's a lot on the line in our own lives on that regard. Now let's go to the 24th text, Nehemiah 9.2. Nehemiah 9.2. Hopefully we can get through this tonight. And the descendants of Israel separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and iniquities to their fathers. Israel made a break. She confessed her sin she separated herself from the evil foreigners and as a result was recipient of the blessings of God. Uh, Nehemiah 10.28. We read in Nehemiah 10.28 these words, Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, all those who had knowledge and understanding. Those of Israel who did separate themselves from various people, notice they were having knowledge and understanding of the word of God. They were having knowledge and understanding of the scriptures. Why? Because they were making right choices to separate themselves biblically to things that were right. And God's opening up their minds and letting them understand deep things in the scriptures. Then go to Nehemiah 13.3. Nehemiah 13.3. We read, So it came about that when they heard the law, they excluded all foreigners from Israel. All foreigners they excluded from Israel. Now, why did they want that? Notice verse 2. Because they did not meet 
the sons of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it came about that when they heard the law, they excluded all foreigners in Israel. They wanted the blessings of God. That's why they uh, uh, turned from this, according to Nehemiah 13.3. The 27th reference is Nehemiah 13.26. Nehemiah 13.26. We read here, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin regarding these things? Yet among the many nations there was no king like him. And he was loved by his God, and God made him king over Israel. Nevertheless, the foreign women caused even him to sin. Now, obviously, what you have in this context is the fact that Solomon refused to separate himself from what he should have was a thing that caused him to sin. So the point we're going to see as we're laying all this framework from the Old Testament is when we see things in the New Testament grace age from which we need to separate ourselves, we want to take it seriously. Why? Because that puts us on a path of righteousness. Now let's go to three more references. Two of them are from Isaiah. Isaiah 56.3. Isaiah 56.3. We read in Isaiah 56.3, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. Even the foreigner, this is the principle, who separates himself unto God, will discover that he is in a wonderful, inseparable relationship with God. That's what Isaiah 56.3 says. The uh, 29th reference is Isaiah 59.2. Isaiah 59.2. And we read in Isaiah 59.2 these words, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, obviously, sin causes a separation between God and man, and if a person does not separate himself from his sin, there is a breach in the relationship he's separated from God. That principle, we're going to see a New Testament application to, that if we would persist in sin, we've broken off that relationship with God. If you want to separate yourself from a relationship with God, get in sin. If you want to have a relationship with God that's going to be used and clean and good, separate yourself from sinful things. That's the principle. All right, then finally, Ezekiel 14, 7. Ezekiel 14, 7. And here's what we read. For anyone of the house of Israel or of the immigrants who stay in Israel, who separates himself from me, sets up his idols in his heart, puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet to inquire of me for himself, I, the Lord, will be brought to answer him in my own person. And then verse 8, And I shall set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb, and I shall cut him off from among my people, so you will know that I am the Lord. The Israelite who sets himself apart from God who would set himself apart from the word of God and have idols in his heart will face a serious judgment of God. And God could literally, and he warned some of these Israelites, you're my people, I'll cut off your land. I will not give you your land boundaries. Why do you think it is tonight they're fighting for those land boundaries? Why has this happened? How come God hasn't just already given Israel all that land that he's promised her? Because she has not done these very things. 
And so God is going to have to take the tribulation, back her into a corner, break her down to the point where ultimately he can give her her land. Now from this just brief overview that we just went through, through the Old Testament, the thing that we can certainly see is that separation is certainly a biblical doctrine. And there are many of those Old Testament passages that support the idea that the believer is to be separated from sinful things and a believer is to be separated from sinful people for sacred service and to receive the blessings of God. That principle you see there. That if you separate yourself from sinful things and people, you are on a path of receiving the blessings of God. Now, what we're going to do next time is go into the grace age and then we'll try to take this groundwork that we've laid and make some proper applications as we filter it through the grace age teachings. Any questions that you've had uh, tonight for what we've gone through?